The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum, and I am joined by Pader Tobin, a leader of Ainthu TD for Meath West, Fergus O'Dowd, Fendigwell TD for Louth East Meath, and Roshan Shortall, Social Democrats TD for Dublin North West. Good morning, and welcome to you all. Um, during the week, we had a massive reaction <coughs> to people about the state of Dublin City. Uh, is it a dive? Is it dirty? Is it drug infested? Is it uh, basically intimidating to visit Roshan? Yeah, I heard most of that piece, Pat, and uh, I must say I agreed with a lot of the commentary about the state of Dublin City. Um, I think the north side in particular, the north side of town in particular, is an absolute disgrace, I have to say. Um, It's intimidating. It's full of dereliction, vacancy. Um, There's a lot of antisocial activity because of that. And uh, it's a scandal, really, that the capital city is in that condition. And you get the sense that people have just given up on it. The city council in particular, the level of cleansing is is very, very weak. Now, there have been reports they just can't get the people, you know, that during COVID uh, people stopped doing that kind of work and are not coming back. Okay, but these are basic public services that we should be providing. Um, But I think a lot of this comes from the dereliction. And I travel in through the north side in the morning and in through Ballybock and uh, North Strand and so on. And like that whole part of the inner city really needs it it needs a, a government task force to address the many different aspects of this. But I think key to it is ensuring that people are actually living in the city centre. And that's how you get the passive policing. And it also brings a vibrancy to an area because then you have the local coffee shops and you have the local, you know, small uh, supermarkets and that kind of thing. Generally shops around. But the whole thing is to have people living in it. It's derelict. It's deserted at the moment. It's dangerous. It's dangerous during the daytime. Um, And there is a need for a government response to that because, as I say, there's a whole lot of different aspects to it. I've often wondered why nothing has been done about it. You know, you have to bear in mind that that part of Dublin City has been represented by, you know, ministers for finance over many years, the Taoiseach, so on. It is utter neglect and it needs government attention. Fergus. Well, um, I travel through the north inner city as well, coming from Drogheda, and I see uh, lots of activity, of community activity from the North Inner City Partnership, which has been established for some years now. It's working very effectively. I see But you wouldn't st- see that in your, no, but in I do. your commute, oh, Fergus. Oh, no, I mean, but you actually do, Pat, because this is the difference because they've, they've increased the number of trees and vegetation actually on the road coming in. Uh, I see I see lots of good things in the city. Uh, I obviously but came have in. you walked up and down O'Connell I ha- Street? I and would you feel comfortable? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I did that last week, actually. And I, I, at the time that I walked now was during the day. I, I do believe there is a new police station there. There's a lot more investment going into the city. When you walk in places like where I work in Graff Street, Dawson Street, uh, coming up the keys this morning from the from the tunnel was absolutely fantastic. And I see hundreds of young now, people. Now, the sunshine does yep. cast its yep, benediction. On everything yeah, but it, it doesn't. But it doesn't change. It, it doesn't change the fact that there are lots of young people uh, visiting our cities, and they're they're teeming everywhere. Lots of of different people from different countries. So I wouldn't do down Dublin. I say there are significant issues. They are being addressed in terms of the North Inner City Partnership. I see it. I know it. Uh, and everybody that that it I talked to from a from community that area. perspective, and there yeah, is but, good but work is, being done yeah, there. But, but in terms of the structure, I didn't interrupt you. I am saying yeah, yeah. that it is active. 
it is doing fantastic okay. work and the new community partnerships, police partnerships right around the country are working in towns like Drogheda as well. Heather. Yeah, I, I think there is a major problem in terms of especially the north inner city of Dublin. There's no doubt about it. And it's not <clears> just Dublin, to be honest. I would say a lot of major towns around the country are suffering from crime and antisocial behaviour. There's a fear factor in many uh, centre towns uh, around the country, especially in terms of drugs. You know, we have a major problem with, with the Gardaí in, in, this, in this state. Uh, last year, we had an 80% fall in the number of Gardaí that were recruited. We also have one of the lowest per capita number of police uh, in the whole of the European Union. And that hasn't shifted per capita at all, really, since 2016. I mean, although the numbers go up, the population has gone up too. Exactly. So we, we had a, a figure of 270 uh, Gardaí per 100,000 in 2016. Today it's 280 uh, per 100,000. Uh, and it is one of the lowest in all of Europe. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of Gardaí are being assaulted while they work uh, currently every single year. We've had uh, the amount of retirements and the amount of resignations on an annual basis is far higher than the numbers being recruited. And this is a significant problem. Guardi don't feel safe themselves and we believe that protections should be put in place uh, in, in terms uh, of Guardi. What it, sort of thing? Well, we would like to see a, a minimum sentence for a Garda being assaulted in the line of duty. And there isn't a not, minimum... Not this uh, increasing the maximum sentence that is permissible, but a guaranteed minimum. A, a guaranteed minimum sentence so that so if you... If you bite a Garda's finger, if you ram a Garda's car, if you assault a Garda in the line of duty, you should see uh, time uh, for that. And that's not that's not there at the moment. There's, o- there's also major problems with, with regards administration in Dublin. Like the Moore Street section just off O'Connell Street, which should be a cultural quarter, both historically and, you know, the wonderful market that was there for years. That's the location of defecation. It's the location of drugs and antisocial behaviour. And it's been allowed to fester now for at least uh, 10 years without any real uh, administration uh, uh, fixed to it. Like in 2016, that was meant to be rejuvenated. We were meant to make a street that was a replica of the Anne Frank Museum in Amsterdam. So people could see the, you know, the history of, of the 1916 battlefield site that was there. And yes, today it's, it's in an absolute disastrous state because of a lack of proper administration. Very I sad. think that just on the Guardia issue today, I think 11 Guardia get the Scott Medal for Bravery, some of them posthumously. So the guards have done a fantastic well, the job. Doing I, did, I didn't interrupt you. I agree absolutely it's with what state. you're saying about the guards being supported. But can I say in my constituency of Loud, we had a huge drug problem. We had awful intimidation. We had houses being burned. We had people be actually being killed on the streets. That's all stopped because the Guardia there in my town of Drogheda, we have 40 more additional Guardia. Now that's a 16 pretty of them. significant. S- 16, 16 of them community guardy, and that's the key to the future is, yeah. is not police driving around in, 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 in cars it's it, bodies on the ground and they're doing that in Drogheda they're doing okay. it exceptionally I, I, I well think and they're doing it very I, I, successfully I think you're changing the subject somewhat we're talking about our capital city here and Pat is we're asking about the specifically about Dublin look yeah. policing plays an important role in any area particularly in a capital city there's particular issues there but if government at government level and at local government level if people have given up on the north side of of Dublin city well then it needs serious intervention and you know as I say, policing is important, but if there are streets, as there are, for example, Marlborough Street, I don't know if anybody's walked what Marlborough Street recently. It is just shocking. Building after building is abandoned. Now, as long as you have that official abandonment 
of the north side. What kind of buildings are abandoned? I mean, the Lewis runs along Marlborough Street, so you'd expect a certain amount of foot traffic as people wait for the Lewis and so on. But there's buildings there, you know, three and four storey buildings that are completely vacant. Why? Look, look, because nobody has any plan for that. Who are the developers who have these buildings and are not developing them? Because this, use it or lose it. I I think the likelihood, Pat, is that there are many developers sitting on derelict buildings waiting for the opportunity Mm. to knock them and build big apartment developments when the time is right for them. But like we shouldn't be allowing people to leave buildings lying idle. That's the whole question of use it or lose it. Yes, Mm. exactly. But but Pat, we know what the government did in relation to vacant properties. You know, at last they introduced a tax this year. It was a tax of 0.3%. Like that's that's not, not serious. That's not serious. Not it's not serious. No, we we need a penal well, tax look, uh, to people, force developers I, I to bring see, buildings I, into I use. I see the good things that are happening in Dublin, and I I say that Dublin city that I see from where I work and where I drive looks fantastic. I agree that there are issues in the north inner city. I don't live there. I'm not represented that area, but I do know that Pascal Donahue is. And I believe there's a huge investment in that constituency from him and from the north inner city See, partnership. Uh, and and the point Pat, is... You, but, 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 I, I, I just want to city. ask you, to, to put on, sure. if you like, the, the eyeglasses of a tourist. Sure, of course. And you walk yeah. around the GPO, yeah. the hallowed GPO, yeah, yeah. and you'll find all sorts of antisocial carry on there and at the spire yeah. um, and Does you would imagine in any other like, like say in, sure. in uh, London I mean, so would I you see this yeah. outside Buckingham Palace? Well you have Palace. a new Garda no. station you have a new Garda station on O'Connell Street so okay. I mean, that, that, that is a reality but, but I have situation, seen the videos The situation has well, been allowed to get out of control it's, yeah. it's, it's easy for Fergus to uh, mention the exceptions to the rules but the truth of the matter is we are suffering significantly and in fairness to Louth County Council they've been very good at strategically CPOing buildings that have been allowed to go into vacancy and we need to do that far more in, yep. in terms of dereliction, especially where dereliction is attracting antisocial yep. behaviour. One other area that I'd like to pinpoint is the forecourts. Opposite the forecourts, there is drugs being sold openly on the bridge o- yep. o- over the Liffey there every single day. And it's just, I've never seen such a juxtaposition of the two Irelands that you have the centre of, of the legal criminal justice system on one side of the river and you have open sales of drugs on the other side. And again, the Guardi have given up in terms of actually trying to police that area uh, for drug sales. And that's wrong. And, and that's where you need a specific response in relation to the drugs problem. There's a and huge drugs problem, particularly yeah. in the city. Don't, don't you just and, and that's that problem. what we're dealing no, with no, that no, issue but you, now. But, but you need to you deal with it, the not just police assembly. it out of the no, way. No, but you need to provide services for people. I agree. And those Pat, services also need to be rehabilitation services. I think the Citizens Assembly is dealing with that issue. And there will be... It's a different issue. No, no, no. It's about policy. Is it acceptable that outside the four courts... No, it's not. Or anywhere. The Bridewell just behind the four courts. Is it acceptable that there are people peddling drugs on... On the bridge. However, Absolutely I have not. to ask yeah. you, yeah. if the guards stamp down on that, and they yeah. could easily, they could yeah. have people mm. patrolling the bridge, it'll move somewhere else. But that's, that's, that's why drug rehab... You, you had a, a young a man on your show please. already this week who, who stated himself that he had wonderfully travelled a big journey from uh, being addicted to drugs to yeah. now working on the front line of that. 
And the key element to that was investment uh, in a health-led approach. And we have a Citizens' Assembly that's asking this question, should we have a health-led approach? But we yeah. could actually put that in place right now. There's but nothing it, stopping but I think investment it will, in residential drug rehabilitation yeah, centres for young people who want to give up drugs and they're not there at the moment. And, and, and the, Gardaí, the, point, the Gardaí moving you know, drug uh, users on into other areas, that is not a solution. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's a, a criminal justice solution. There's a role for the Gardaí in relation to drug dealing, undoubtedly. But in terms of people who are addicted, what they need is, is health services. Pat, I think health that's services what to help them with the addiction. And they're not av- those services are not available. No, but it's probably not right. That no, you, no, you don't have to have a citizen's assembly to know. Yeah, but do not think that's a good thing, Pat, because I do. I think that if we get the policies coming from the communities that are most affected by drugs, coming from the Gardaí, coming from the social workers, you get a plan that the government, whoever they are, cannot ignore. It's, so it's I, would not, I would not diss, as you do, uh, things, good things that are happening. No, that no, is no. a good thing and we learn so, from it. The, the citizens and I think, I think the key thing is tackling drugs is tackling poverty, tackling unemployment, tackling like what the government is doing in terms of the north inner city. That is the way to do it. Okay, I want to move on to something else. And it's just uh, this morning we were talking about it. Uh, Asking healthcare workers, Roisin, to volunteer to give Mm -hmm. up their Mm -hmm. bank holiday weekend, either for overtime or time in lieu, or to reschedule their norming working lives to stop um, a recurrence of what happened after the last bank holiday. Hundreds of people on trolleys. Yeah, absolutely. But... Look, what we need is people in the health service to be working seven days a week. Okay, seven over seven. So they work. No, but five, what do you think a of five that idea week. of asking people? I, I think I actually think it's a good idea. And okay. we had Bernard Gloucester in at the health committee on Wednesday. It it is a huge factor in relation to dysfunction in the health service, and it it you know shows up the weekends, but particularly on bank holiday weekends. And the May bank holiday weekend resulted in huge delays, longer waiting lists. I think Bernard Gloucester is right to appeal to people to volunteer to do it at this point, because that's all he can do is ask them to volunteer. And I certainly hope he will he get said a positive. Committed, re- didn't he? I can only say please. It, well, that's true. That's true because people are are on contracts and their contracts are about nine to five in many cases. Now, what he made clear was he's asking all grades of healthcare staff to do that. Sometimes people think think it's just about consultants. All grades, including community uh, uh, staff, to volunteer over the the bank holiday weekend. We undoubtedly have to move to a situation. And, you know, Bernard Gloucester mentioned this, that as part of the national pay agreement, there will have to be a negotiation that our health service can operate on a seven day basis. And <coughs> that is the future. That's the way we have to go. It's unions, not justifiable. And you, yeah. you made the, the point unions, yourself, Pat, the morning, about the yep. very valuable equipment in hospitals yeah, lying idle. there yeah. idle. The you know, so I think absolutely right. hospitals should be working the equipment 24-7. I think the unions this morning, the force of union rep was very strong on responding to that and welcoming the engagement and said that they are willing to step up to the mark but they need to have the appropriate discussions but and the I consultant think we had on this morning saying it's all very well to get people to work this extra time know, but, but it needs unless to be you for the have future. more acute beds and yeah, more staff exactly. it's yeah. not going to no, but it can help in itself yeah. Yeah, we and, need and the other things can I just bring to in there? Like I, I agree absolutely with the seven day elements too but I would actually like to see us move to an activity related funding model for the health service so in other words Right now, hospitals get paid chunks of money, even when their infrastructure is lying idle. You know, but if you actually said to hospitals, OK, you will get paid on the basis of the amount of operations, the amount of treatments, the amount of consultations, the amount of engagements you make with patients, then you would see 
funding go to the front line and the delivery of those services and then you would see those assets being sweated because the hospitals yeah. would well, have to do this that. This is the money following the patient. Yeah, but, so but, the more yeah. patients you put through, the more scans Sean you do. Catch, yeah. Now, you could be people getting scans that don't need don't scans. Need yeah. No, no, there's, there's no <laughs> doubt that nice there's no doubt that performance indicators can be cheated and that we have seen that in, in other health systems before. But right now what we're seeing is hospitals who are being paid where uh, infrastructure, key infrastructure is being left idle and that's ridiculous. The other element is, you know, recruitment is is, is, is a simple issue. You know, it's, it's about pay, terms and conditions. If you have a local shop and you want someone to fill that role, you have to make sure you've got competitive uh, pay, terms and conditions. And right now, people are voting with their feet and leaving this yeah. country to work in other but, jurisdictions. But Pather, Pather, you, you can have the pay, that, that there's mm. money there, yeah. but the conditions, it's a chicken and yeah. egg. You know, as more and more people leave, the harder the conditions are that you're offering. That's why there needs to be a yeah. full commitment that we're actually sure. going to turn the page and, in terms of conditions. And it's true that the funding model at the moment makes no sense whatsoever. Actually, you know, we, we've, we provide care in the most expensive mm. way and there are huge gaps. But it's important to point out that under Slauncher Care, we are moving to that situation with the regional health authorities where there'll be a single budget a single budget for acute care and community care. And that will drive efficiencies. And the home yeah. care right. so and money that you save yeah. by uh, yeah. allowing some to leave hospital a day earlier goes exactly. to the community and so they can be cared exactly. for at home. Exactly. It's a single and budget and that's a key to, thing. To but the other thing in relation to, to recruitment, is, can I just say, home, we home have care. a huge problem with the lack of workforce planning within yeah. the health service. And the big we need issue, to be serious the big issue that. for me is exactly getting people out of acute hospitals, mm. getting them at home and supporting home care packages. The problem is there's lots of money for that, but we've no workers because they're not paid enough. Exactly. And we need to look at, we need to look it's at that. We need to pay. make it a career and a job that you get better paid than you are at the moment. But that is, that is much better for the individual. It's much better for the community and it takes the pressure off the acute Where hospitals. Where there isn't chaos in the health service. Yeah, but that's the pressure I think thing. Would you not think it's a good idea to do that? What I'm proposing. It is, but for Finnegan or government for 12 years. I want to just refer to something else. Uh, We've been talking about migration uh, a lot on this programme and other programmes. Yesterday uh, in the UK, they were consumed by the notion that they'd had 660,000 people immigrating. Uh, Many of them were students uh, and many of them were workers who came in on on visas and so on. But one of the points they made was that the immigration uh, in the last year was the equivalent of the population of Glasgow. And it said, well, Glasgow has, I can't remember exactly, but it has six hospitals. It has, you know, so many hundreds of primary schools. It has all of those. So you need to provide that kind of infrastructure for people coming in. We have, you know, 100,000 people have come in this year, but we haven't really boosted the infrastructure to cope. So when local people are complaining that, you know, they can't get a GP appointment. How on God's earth are we going to get GP appointments for people who desperately need them coming in from war-torn zones? And in fact, the increase in population is the equivalent of the city of Galway and the services it has. So you're quite right about that. The the other point is that there's a big community benefit. 50 million was announced last week for communities who who actually helped out in terms of, sorry, I just want to make my point, uh, 50 million to communities like in Drogheda and in County Loud uh, to help people to give a better service to new communities. So there's yeah, lots, I mean, there's no lots do- of good no things happening. And if you no were to say, yeah, but if you were to say, Pat, uh, that there's going to be a new city of Galway in the next 14 months with 84,000 people to house, the government has actually housed those. I know it's not always the best accommodation, but it's the best we can provide. Yeah, so w- 
we need a system of compassion, but we also need a system of common sense. We need to be able to help those who need it, but also differentiate uh, in relation to those who don't need uh, help uh, in terms of this. Uh, we need proper consultation. That's not happening. And we need a community dividend. Mm. That 50 million was announced last Christmas and not a penny has been spent as of yet, yeah. which is, which it is an incredible situation. It was last week. So uh, it, 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 I allocated it, it, last week. It, the, the, other, the other issue here is one of my big frustrations is the particular system that we have. So we know that there are people waiting two and three years, thousands of people waiting two or three years for their first decision of their application yeah. to be made, which is an incredible. So it means that our people are in the system uh, who may be economic migrants who are providing accommodation for uh, at the moment. We also know that in terms of uh, deportation orders and since from in parliamentary questions that we and aim to have received, and since 2018 till last year, there's been about four and a half thousand deportation orders. The government only followed through in about 350 of those. So in the main deportation at the moment is voluntary, which is in, just it just absolutely does it's my not head. Deportation. No, it's, 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 it's not an order. It's, it's fair to, to say that some people do kind of evaporate f- out of uh, this country. They take themselves to uh, another country. Uh, because they do. they're not going to get social but, welfare here or whatever. But, but the government should be I able to th- record. We, we do need to be able... Like, so the government says we don't know whether or not the 3,800 3, people who should have deported have actually deported. So the Russia. government should yeah, know th- There's no doubt the immigration system is not functioning properly in this country and it needs serious reform. But the other point I think that you made there earlier, Pat, like it's very important to point out that before, you know, the war in Ukraine, before the increase in international protection applicants uh, that we've seen over the past year, before that ever occurred, we had a serious housing crisis here mm. and we also had big problems within the health service. So, you know, it's it's a very cynical move and we're seeing the National Party and other right wing elements, you know, trying to turn this and turn Irish people against immigrants on the basis that we have a a housing crisis. That housing crisis was here long before that. And, And the problem is that the government is not responding to the existing need among Irish people, nor the 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 increased need now with more people coming into this country. And we have to address those two issues. And, you know, if we don't do that, then we're leaving the thing wide open to people like the the, the National Party. I think the key point just about the figures, uh, Eurostat has a document which says that Ireland has the fourth highest refusal of people coming in from outside the EU into the EU. And the figures are uh, last year were 9,400, not the 3,000 you're talking about or the 300 you mentioned. So I think we have a fair, we have a system which is in great difficulties, but the government are managing it extremely well, notwithstanding the difficulties we have. Pat, that's the truth. For the last uh, dozen years, they've been talking about speeding up the process. Yeah, but it is. It is. Well, the facts are now that there are, I think, about 500 people implied now processing applications. The the, the aim is for 490 to be employed by you come in, is the actual figures I just, that I just uh, think Simon Harris I don't like being talked over night. all the time, please. I'm just uh, the day you come in you is the, okay, there you are, more of it. The day you come in is the day to get your appointment for, for, for decision making. So it's much quicker now, but there is issues, obviously. But Ireland is responding very well and I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, downplayed the, the work that's been done by communities and voluntary Th- bodies as well. There's been big challenges, there's no doubt about and they that. Are being met. But, but the difficulty they are being is, met. is that if IPAS, for example, um, yeah. is not sufficiently resourced. There's, there's uh, extra it, you people know, Roderick O'Gorman just, in the I'm, main I'm, has just, been left to yeah, deal I'm with afraid this. We have, we to, need we much have better to wrap it there. We have absolutely run out of time. Thank you all very much for joining us. Padlet O'Bean, Fergus O'Dowd and Roisin Shorthall. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am.
on News Talk.